Two Kids and a Career is a production of Jill Divine Media. If he's really nervous, he could take a belly breath. Or the kids are wearing costumes, but just like dress-up time in your class, you still know those kids are. You're still going to be able to recognize them. But in all of my books, there's the steps that recognize the fear. And recognizing fear is the first step to being brave because you can't actually be brave if you have nothing to be afraid of, right? And then it teaches them how to turn around and take those fears and face them head on and be brave and succeed. This episode of Two Kids and a Career is brought to you by Elemental Aesthetics. You can be guaranteed that your experience is going to be unique and customized to your specific needs. See how they can help you focus on natural beauty enhancements by visiting ElementalAesthetics.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to another episode of Two Kids in a Career. I think that anyone can say that they have no dispute. There's a lot of things to dispute, but I don't think anyone can dispute the importance of reading to your kids. (laughs) So, ah, so excited to have this week's guest on because it's about that but it's also another layer that I think is super important. So let me first introduce Savan Hong to the episode. Welcome. Did I say your name right? Perfectly, Jill. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. Gold star for the day. I got that right. I'm good. I can move on. Well, Savan, thank you for joining me. You are an author specifically to children's books and Before we get into that and the little niche that you have, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your background. Let's talk about uh, being a mom, all the good things. So I am a mom of two amazing little boys. I say little, but they would kill me if they heard me say little. Um, (laughs) A 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. And before I became a children's book author, I was a business school professor and I had um, a career in strategy consulting and was losing my mind. Um, (laughs) And then I had what I call a midlife crisis um, and decided that I was going to make a complete career shift and do something that I felt had more kind of meaning for me and landed on being a children's book author and illustrator. So big change. Totally big change. And listen, that's okay. I mean, when I say that's okay, I I mean it in one of those funny joking matters because not only do I do this and I came from a 20 plus year career in radio, I also work in ministry at my church. And who I mean, seriously, still saying that out loud, I'm like, what? (laughs) But when you look at how things kind of work and you see there's similarities in a lot of that stuff in different aspects of your life and the different um, what you learned, what you were doing in the past, like it helps with this in a whole different way. I don't know. That's how I feel. And I'm not sure if 
you feel that way now that you are an author. Absolutely. Because having kids changes you, right? Like we all know that. And, um, and I used to think that I was productive and then I had kids and then I was like, okay, the opportunity cost of me like milling around at work doing random things was so high. Um, once I had kids, because it meant that I wasn't coming home to them, that it changed the way I worked completely. And so now I'm able to take that different kind of focus and apply it to this new career. I remember that exact feeling once I had probably more after the second and being at work and and I know that at that time too people were like man she's kind of changed I changed because I wanted to be more efficient and I wanted to get my stuff done and I wanted to get home to my family and it wasn't that I didn't want to still talk to these people that were my coworkers, but also my friends. And I tried to be aware of how that could feel to them. But my priority was my family and getting home to see them and be with them. And the more distracted I was at the office and not being able to get things done in my mind, that took away from my family. Yeah. It, it, and, and, it meant not going to the happy hours and it yep. meant not giving people dating advice or whatever other things that I was doing. Right. And, and, it, but it did teach me to work smartly in a way that I would have never had that kind of motivation to do before having kids. Yeah. I'm still trying to manage that and figure that out. And I think that that is an ongoing thing. I I've beat myself up over that probably within the last couple of months because there's been different projects and and different things. And it's just a matter of sitting down, figuring out what's essential, figuring out what's important and going for there from there. And I am nowhere near a, um, I don't even want to say schedule or even the way I have it managed out, but I'm trying because I think it does. It, it often changes. Well, but I don't think that feeling of mom guilt, right, ever goes away. I don't no. think because the, we we keep living in this society that makes us feel as women that we could have it all. And I don't yeah. think that's right. You can't right. have it all. Like I am not as good of a mother in my ability to to kind of do everything if I was a stay-at-home mom that I am as a working mom, right? Like I can't go to everything. There are sacrifices. And so if I keep feeling like I should be able to have it all, I'm always going to feel like I'm failing. But I have to change that mindset and be like, no, I can be 80%, right? 80% good at everything. And (laughs) that should be my goal, right? And and, And I feel like as as women, we need to be okay with that. I agree. And I hope that we're going to start seeing more shifts in that and not talking about it as much because that's an overall uh, conversation starter, conversation topic that I would love to see switch to something else. Hopefully something more positive, but we have a lot of work to do. It's kind of 
one of those things you think about, okay, what led us to get to here? Okay, we got to fix that to get to the next thing. So I really, truly hope in even in 10 years that the conversation is starting to shift away from that. Because we're so hard on ourselves. We just <laughs> are. When is that going to change? <laughs> I'm ready. Let it change now. I am too. Well, let's get back to the original reason why you're on this podcast. I, I will say I love having these kinds of conversations. I love to be able to talk to other women about some of the things that I'm experiencing. So, you know, you're not alone. Sometimes you just need to know you are not alone. So thank you for sharing that. But let's go into you as an author. I can guess that you've probably done research, especially for obviously children. And I don't even want to get into research about the importance of reading to your kids, but maybe we should talk a little bit about that just in case people don't understand. (laughs) So I think reading to your kids has that basic kind of educational element that if, if you read to your children, that they will grow up to be readers. And, And we've heard that time and time again, but I actually think reading to your kids has an even more important factor And there's a concept in literacy that talks about mirrors and windows. And the idea is that a book can provide a mirror for a kid where they can see themselves. And to our earlier point, realize that what they are feeling and what they're seeing, they're not alone, right? That it's normal. And so providing that that mirror for your child is hugely important. But books also provide windows into other worlds. And this is a way of teaching your children empathy so that they can be in the shoes of another child and experience the world the way another child experiences it. And of course, kids can do this, you know, older kids read on their own and whatnot. But I think using books as a tool to start these conversations as a parent can be hugely impactful. Um, and it's so much better than coming home and saying, well, what'd you do to school and how was school? And all I get is fine and good and nobody wants to talk about it. But if I can do it through a book as a tool to open those conversations, I find that kids are so much more receptive. I have two littles. And one of the things that I have been trying to do is make sure that I introduce books that normally probably wouldn't be introduced for, I mean, lack, I I guess, ignorance, maybe. Maybe I didn't realize that this book was available or that this book, I, I don't know. I just want my girls to be able to see all of the stuff, just all of it colors, um, race, you know, if, if someone is in a wheelchair, if they're not going to see it in person, I want them to see it somewhere. And I don't know if I'm wording that right, or if that is a fair statement or an ignorant statement, I don't know, but I'm just, that's how I'm feeling. I think that's exactly this concept of, of using books as a way of of sharing the world with your kids, right? Because especially now, right? They're they're not seeing the world, right? right. We're, they're pretty stuck at home in one 
variety or another. And being able to show them the lives that other people lead is really, really important. And so my books focus, to your point, on neurodiverse kids. That means children who have autism or ADHD or dyslexia or some kind of brain difference. And unlike a wheelchair um, where there's a physical manifestation, oftentimes um, it's hard to tell if a child is neurodiverse. But in my books, I will show kids who wear headphones, for example, because they mm. have sensory issues or need to sit in a special kind of chair in their classroom because they need that movement or get to chew gum or things that are different that your kids may be seeing in their classroom and may not fully understand. And so for me, it was very important to introduce books like this for kids to be able to understand these situations, but also for the neurodiverse kids to be able to look and say, oh my gosh, it's not just me who wears headphones. There are other kids like that. And that has been very powerful. I love it all. I love that so much. And I cannot wait to introduce these books to my kids. It's giving me goosebumps. And I don't even really know how to explain it because I just... I just love that this is being addressed. And I am thinking about my oldest who's in pre-K and and some things that she's told me or that she did tell me about her class last year and a little boy who I know nothing about him as far as any kind of diagnosis, but some of the things that she's told me about with him having to move and and not sitting still and things like that. And she's talked about it. And what's kind of like coming to mind too is she's listening to what her teachers are saying as well. So all of it kind of ties in together as far as making sure the communication from the teacher to the kiddo, just it does make a huge difference. And and these kids are listening. They are. And at such a young age, they see the difference, right? And as parents, if we talk to them about these differences, they become normal, right? They don't seem scary and strange. Mm-hmm. They just seem every day like somebody has red hair and somebody has brown hair and that those differences are okay. Let me go back to another thing that I was thinking of because I want to get to you and your personal experience, because one of your boys does have a neurodiverse, is it called symptom or how would you call that? So actually both of my boys are neurodiverse as am I. Um, Okay. the three of my poor husband is left out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the three of us, um, my eldest son is autistic and has ADHD and my younger son has ADHD. And these stories that are right are actually true stories, right? So they are experiences that have happened to them and they are written from their perspective. Um, Okay. So that way it really is kind of through the eyes of a child, right? It's not the eyes of a parent. It's the eyes of a child telling their story. And the books, I illustrate the books as well, and they're very purposefully illustrated with simple illustrations and um, font that would allow a child 
particularly a child with dyslexia, to be able to follow along. The letters are simple um, so that these books really are accessible to kids who are neurodiverse. And also all my books are available on an audiobook version because that allows them to be even more accessible to other kids. Hitting pause for just a minute to talk to you about Elemental Aesthetics, one of the latest sponsors of the podcast. And we are in that time of year where you want to get ready for the holidays. But I actually like to approach it where I want to take care of myself after the holidays. Lots of food, lots of drinks, lots of, um, yeah, a lot of damage we're doing to our bodies. And you could recover. You could do things like the B12 shots that so many people are talking about. And you can do that at Elemental Aesthetics. 777 South New Ballast Road, Suite 302 West, if you are local. Phone number that you can call or text 314-279-6069, onlineelementalaesthetics.com. Here's the other thing. When you go to that website, you'll also see some home remedies, some things that you can do at home to take care of yourself. So whether you are able to go to Elemental Aesthetics in person or or digitally, you're going to find some great stuff to kind of revive you and get yourself ready for the new year. I love thinking ahead. <laughs> That's what I like to do. And Elemental Aesthetics, perfect for that. So if you want to give yourself a little extra love, a little extra TLC after the holidays, contact Elemental Aesthetics, 314-279-6069 or elementalaesthetics.com. All right, let's get back to this week's conversation. Okay, let's talk about a couple of these books. So the series, the children's book series, the Super Fun Day books include, in Halloween just happened not too long ago, Benny J and the Horrible Halloween, George J and the Miserable Monday, and Emily D and the Fearful First Day. So as you said, these are books that focus on neurodiverse children. It's from their perspective. Walk me through a little bit about the books as far as what it is in them that will make sense to moms and dads and even kids right now. The books are structured like something called a social story. And in special education, a social story is a teaching tool used to teach kids the steps of a, something that they're nervous about. And it gives them an understanding of what's going to happen. So all of my books are structured with a list of the fears that the child has. And I'll, I'll use Benny J as an example, Benny J and the Horrible Halloween, because my eldest son was terrified to go to the Halloween parade in kindergarten. So terrified that we sat there in the car with his costume on and he wouldn't go into school. Mm. And as a parent, I couldn't understand it. Halloween's supposed to be the greatest holiday, you know, shy of Christmas. Everybody loves <laughs> right. Halloween. And what was going on that my son was so scared about this holiday. And so he missed it in kindergarten. And then I was determined the following year to figure out what was going on. So he goes over and he gives you a list of all the reasons why he's scared of Halloween. He's scared 
that he won't recognize any of his friends in the class because they're wearing costumes. And he's scared that he may not be able to find his parents because there'll be so many people there. And he's scared that it's going to be really, really loud. Um, and, and he doesn't really like loud situations. And he goes through a list of five reasons why, why he's really nervous about Halloween. And then the book turns around and says, well, here's a list of all the reasons why though you can mitigate those challenges. And it gives tools for the child to be able to understand why those things may not be as horrible as he thinks they are. So, you know, if he's really nervous, he could take a belly breath or the kids are wearing costumes, but just like dress up time in your class, you still know those kids are, you're still going to be able to recognize them. And when it goes through all of these steps that at the end, it's a happy ending and he loves Halloween. And, and my son went through all of those steps and it's, and the end result is that my son now absolutely loves Halloween. Um, and so the happy ending is there, but in all of my books, there's the steps that recognize the fear and recognizing fear is the first step to being brave because you can't actually be brave if you have nothing to be afraid of. Right. And then it teaches them how to turn around and take those fears and face them head on and be brave and succeed. So there are a couple of things that I wanted to point out. I want to start with early childhood and it probably well, honestly, it's because I'm living in that right now with my littles. I don't think that, well, I, it's not fair for me to say this because I am not a teacher. I don't know what happens in the early childhood wor worlds and, and every school is different. But I think that it needs to be addressed more as far as what our kiddos are experiencing and what they're seeing. So I don't have any kind of diagnosis for my girls right now. I would say that, you know, they there's no diagnosis. Maybe that could change. I don't know. But for them, it's almost like, how do I, besides your books, which I think is great, that's a great start. How do I talk to them about these kinds of things? And, and that's where I'm trying to go with this on the early childhood area, how do you even go there? And, and what the example that came to mind for me is the school that the girls go to. Well, any school probably does this or should they have uh, fire drills. And I know that one particular little boy, like you have to tell him if there's a fire drill because of the loudness. It will scare him so much. And it's a constant thing for him to focus on if he doesn't know. Um, so it's things like that where I would like to know as a parent how we navigate those waters. I think that's a great analogy or example with the fire drill because it is not that fire drills aren't scary for all kids, but kids with sensory issues, particularly to sound, will hear that in a very different way than other kids do and will need to wear headphones or a hat or something. And the way I've described it with my kids is that if you had a kid in the classroom with a wheelchair, 
it wouldn't be crazy to us to assume that there would be a wheelchair ramp for that kid to get out of school, right? right. Like, of course there would be. That doesn't get in the way of any of the other kids being able to walk down the stairs. And so having these sorts of accommodations for a child who can't handle loud noises or needs other kinds of accommodations is very similar to the wheelchair ramp. It doesn't impact my kids, but my kids are going to want to ask about it and want to talk about it. And I don't need to say, oh, this child is autistic, right? Because usually at that age, most of them aren't diagnosed, or if they're diagnosed, it's not something that the parents talk about openly, and they, they may not have even mentioned it to their kid. But talking about how we can all feel things differently, that our brains are different, you know, just like our hair color is different, um, or we are different heights, or some of us are boys or girls, or whatever the differences are, that there are going to be accommodations and the kids are going to see that over time. The other thing that came to mind is something that I've talked about in some other episodes. In between some jobs, I was a substitute teacher, and I was a substitute teacher for like a paraprofessional. And for those that don't know what a paraprofessional is, in the school district, the paras worked with the individuals or the students with special needs. When I was in high school, the kids that were autistic, which I don't think I ever even heard that word when I was a teenager, or had Down syndrome or were classified as special needs, they were in a separate room. They weren't even in our classrooms. There was no inclusion. And it wasn't that we, you know, treated those kids differently. I mean, I guess we did because we didn't really see them, but we didn't make fun of them. However, we did not get to see these kids who looked exactly like us that just had something different than us. So... Fast forward, when I was doing this paraprofessional work, I remember going into a classroom and they asked me, and it was specific to these kiddos, and they asked me to go with one of the girls to complete a task. And I was so super confused because she looked like me, she talked like me. She walked like me and I was like, what is she doing in here? And then uh, probably the next time I came back, she would not talk to me. She would not look at me. It was a totally different person. And I was afraid to ask the questions because I didn't want to offend anyone. And then finally I did. I said, I don't understand what is, why is this girl in here? Well, I didn't know about, like I said, autism or even dyslexia, or anything like that. And so that was just mind-blowing to me that if I was feeling that way as I probably was early 30s, my gosh, how many other people were that way? And the lack of knowledge or the judgment that we had, it, it bothers me a lot. I don't think we knew Right? Like, we didn't understand the concept of neurodiversity as a spectrum, right? Like, we thought everything was on one side. If it wasn't, if you didn't look like Rain Man, 
right? Then everything was fine. And, and kids who were misbehaving in the class were misbehaviors, not because there may have been some other thing that was going on with them. Right. And I'm amazed and thankful that over time we've gotten to where we are today. Right. So I have ADHD and I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was an adult. And I look back and I'm like, wow, that explains so many things about my schooling. But I would have never known because nobody talked about it and nobody saw those things. And the benefit to what we are doing now, which is having integrated classrooms, regardless of kind of where a child falls on the spectrum, benefits those children dramatically. And it benefits everybody else in that classroom because it normalizes it, right? It's just part of human diversity. And when you hear about famous people who come out and talk about this, you know, that Anthony Hopkins is an autistic man, or, you know, that Justin Timberlake has ADHD, or things like that, you're like, oh, okay, that's not that's not so different, right? Like that right. could be just like some of the kids in my class. Whereas when we were children, nobody would ever come out and talk about that. No. You would never no. hear a celebrity talk about it. And I don't know, do you feel like uh, that too, when you were talking about that, the in the inclusion, it also helps our kiddos have a little bit of empathy or a, a mm-hmm. little bit more as far connection to that. It's the empathy and it changes the structure. When we were kids, there was something wrong with those kids, right? Now we can look at the diverse minds and all of the different strengths that come with it, right? The way I describe ADHD to my boys is like they have a race car brain. It goes so, so fast. And if they could learn to slow down and take the curves, then they can win the race. But if they don't, they're going to crash into the wall. So let's capitalize on the strength that some of these kids have and not just focus on what makes them different, but what makes them amazing. And if we can educate our kids to be proud of their strengths and not feel like there's something wrong with them, then we've changed a generation. As moms, if we're having these conversations with our kids, then it's going to seep in with us too. I took a trip with my two boys when they were much younger um, on an airplane and and I had to make a connection and it was just me and I I had like a a two-year-old and a four-year-old and my four-year-old's autistic and was struggling and and it was like, I felt like it could be the most horrible thing. And I literally had mothers high-fiving me while I was walking through the terminal and nothing was more inspiring. I felt such promise in humanity at that moment in time where I was like, okay, moms, we're all in it together. Thank you. Yes. Yes. All right. I have one last suggestion before we wrap up, and this is not a suggestion for you. This is a suggestion for others. I know that at the school that my girls go to, sometimes they ask for donations and sometimes they don't. When it comes to books, we need to do books like yours. We need to get these kinds of books into the hands of teachers to showcase to kiddos. And I am just a huge 
lover of people like you, these authors that are just coming out with amazing books that aren't, you know, at the top of the list sometimes when you start looking up children's books, but they will be. They will be. I know they will. So my suggestion is please consider donating some of these kinds of books to your kid's school or your grandchild's school because this is what's going to help with that empathy. This is what's going to help with the inclusion. This is so needed. I couldn't agree more, Jill. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're so welcome. So tell me and tell the listener where they can find your books and where they can find you online. Let's get these in the hands of everyone. So um, given the time of year it is and supply chains and whatnot um, that everyone's talking about, I think Amazon is probably the easiest place to get my books right now. Um, And you could also look on my website, savanhong.com. It helps to be the only Savan Hong in the world. So <laughs> I was able to get to get my website looking the way I want it. Um, but but yeah, that's the best place to get them. And I will have this linked up on my show notes at jilldevine.com, but I will mention that her books again are well there's a children's book series the super fun day books so a, a, a few of the titles just so you know if you're writing this down benny j and the horrible halloween george j and the miserable monday and emily d and the fearful first day but again all of this is going to be on my show notes at jilldevine.com as we wrap up Savan, what would you like to say or what maybe did i miss in our conversation Well, I just want to say that this notion that you have about moms supporting moms while we're trying to juggle our families and our husbands and our careers, I mean, this is what it's all about. Like, we have to have each other's backs, and we, and by talking about it like this, it does help everybody feel like we're not all alone. So, thanks, Jill. As we wrap up this week's episode, a reminder about elemental aesthetics and taking care of you. Just know at Elemental Aesthetics, their focus is on natural beauty enhancements, not artificial faces. Every single client that walks through their doors, a personalized approach is going to be given. So just don't think of being scared into this tactic of, oh, you're going to walk in and they're going to be like, this is wrong with you and this is wrong with you. Not going to happen. And I know from firsthand experience, because I did walk in thinking that, I walked in thinking that... Jennifer, the owner, was going to think my face was a huge mess, that I was a mess. And actually what happened was this very beautiful conversation and this very uplifting feeling about myself and just an appointment with a facial. I mean, it really is an awesome thing to experience. ElementalAesthetics.com for more information. You can also call or text the number 314-279-6069, ElementalAesthetics.com. Again, their focus is on natural beauty enhancements, not artificial faces. Let's get to this week's Supermom shout-out brought to you by Addie's Way. And every Supermom that gets a shout-out gets a specially designed Supermom tote from Addie's Way. 
This week's Supermom shout-out is going to Allie Corey, and she was nominated by her friend Jeannie Smith. Now, before I get to the reason why Jeannie nominated Allie, let me give you a little background on Allie Corey because she is a TV personality locally in St. Louis, Missouri. She was actually on episode 21 of the podcast, and that episode titled, Two Local TV Personalities Get Candid About Being Moms. So, like I said, Allie is a TV personality on KSEK News Channel 5, which is an NBC affiliate here locally in St. Louis, Missouri. So let me get to Jeannie's reason why she wants Allie to get this Supermom shout out. Jeannie said, I am nominating Allie Corey for the Supermom shout out. Four months ago, she had her second child and having a baby and a toddler while working full time is no easy feat. Can you imagine getting up in the middle of the night to take care of a baby and then having to be on television hours later? She makes it look so easy. Allie, I see you and I support you. And if you have a Supermom shout out nomination, all you have to do is go to my website, jilldevine.com. We have a Supermom nomination form right there for you. Fill it all out, and that super mom will get her shout out on the podcast, in addition to a shout out on social media, as well as that awesome super mom tote from Addie's Way. And I would like to thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. When you do those things, this podcast gets in the hands of others because it gets noticed because of your activity. And I would also encourage you to follow along on social media at Jill Devine on Instagram and at Jill Devine Media on Facebook. And you can find all of that information too at jilldevine.com. Thank you for your support of two kids and a career.